You're listening to Bowls Australia's official podcast, The Right Line, rolling you through the latest from the world of bowls. Subscribe now via your favourite podcast app. Hello and welcome to The Right Line, Bowls Australia's official podcast. Episode 29 today, we are getting up there now. I'm surprised we haven't been canned yet, but I think we're doing a pretty good job of things. And uh, Val Febo here with you. I might be canned after that, but uh, but uh, Val Febo here with you and joining me as they do for most weeks. It's the one, the only rinkside, Clive Adams. Clive, how are you? Yeah, going great. Thanks, Val. Big, uh, big week. Big week it's been, and a big weekend lined up for me. We got our uh, state champion of champion singles event over here this weekend, so I've been looking forward to that. I think we were talking about that when we were up at the Australian Championships just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, yeah, big weekend of bowls coming up. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to today's chat. And hope, hopefully, well, we had a pod squad win at the um at the last champion of champions, which was only a couple of weeks ago. We lauded Carla for that, and and we played. We are the champions, and hopefully, we can get another one in the in the tournament at the end of the year at the nationals. But Carla Krasanik, the twenty twenty one Australian champion of champions women's singles winner, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for that lovely introduction, Val. And um, no bowls for me this weekend. I'm heading on a holiday, so very much looking oh, forward to that. Very nice. Where very are you nice. going? Well, I'm actually, I've got to say it quietly, actually heading down to Queenscliff. We're taking my dad down there for a, um, he recently turned 70, so a family getaway, but we haven't told him where he's going. The kids did tell him we were going to get seashells though, so I think he's onto it. Yeah, but there's so many beaches down Southern Victoria. You could either be going to the peninsula, <laughs> Phillip Island, yeah. you never know, but Queenscliff is a beautiful location and yeah, it's it's great. So if you ever get a chance, maybe go visit Matt Flapper down at Ocean Grove. Who knows? He's uh, he's not too far from there. Um, WH. But with yeah. a one-year-old and, and a newborn, I think it's a bit hard to hop on a plane, Clive. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, All right. well, I think the drive will be much easier for Carla. But um, <laughs> guys, it's uh, it's been quite a big week for the right at home Jackaroos because they've, uh, they've finally, they got their gear. It was a little bit late, uh, late to be delivered to them in Birmingham, but uh, they're, they're playing on Leamington Spa. They've been playing there all week and um, getting, uh, getting used to the conditions and honing their skills, I guess, on the Northern Hemisphere greens where we haven't had the com game success that we would have liked. And um, we'll start with you, Carla. It's, it's very, it, it, trialing for a Commonwealth games must be, the most nerve-wracking thing that you could do as a jackaroo, aside from actually playing in one? Do you know, the most nerve-wracking part is actually, like, the waiting for the text to find out if you're in the team or not. <laughs> when you're when you're out there playing, um, playing selection stuff, you kind of do just get in the groove of playing and, um, you know, try and get your mindset in just the competitive mode. But I'll tell you what, waiting for that text message to find out if you're in the team or not, that is the most nerve-wracking time of your life. Way more nerve-wracking than getting married or anything like that. <laughs> oh, well, Tristan, uh, th- that's good, I guess, because it means that you're pretty damn sure about Tristan. So I think you'd be pretty happy about that. But, yeah, like, uh, Clive, looking from afar, what's, um, you know, what do you make of, like, how would you go about a Jackaroos trial? Because I-, I don't know exactly what I would do or how nervous I'd be because you think that there's just eyeballs on you every time you send one down the green. 
Yeah, well, it's all on different scale, isn't it, Val? Because I think we can re- you'll have club people out there that can relate to trialling for their for their top division side, and then you'll have um, um, players that uh, are trial for their state side. So it's all on a all on a different level. And I think you know that the more match simulation type stuff you can do, the better, because it's as I think as Carla was alluding to, it's yeah. it's easier to get into a mindset of of playing the game when you're just doing what you do. Like, uh, this is what I do. I just go out there and I play bowls and I do my best to win and that's what I'm doing rather than someone standing next to you with a with a a, 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 a checklist to make sure you, you know, how many bowls did you land close here and how many bowls did you land close there? It's much easier if it's just natural play. Yeah, Carla? Uh, I think over the years I've definitely um, been subjected to lots of different types of trials. So um, what Clive's mentioning, you know, the ones where you're trialling and they're actually standing there with a clipboard on the green, um, they can be really challenging to get out of your mind that you're trialling because they're standing there looking at every single bowl, marking every single bowl. I think what's great about the Australian teams is that our selectors over the years have realised that that doesn't really simulate a game experience for people. So they're really good at just sort of being off in the background um, you know, and they're also supporting. Like our selectors are there, sure, they're keeping an eye on everything, but they cheer when we do good shots. They want us to play well as well. So I think um, what's great about the Aussie team and the selectors we have is that they are a part of the team and they're not really scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that they do try and be a little bit, you know, off in the sidelines so they're not right in your eye and making you very much aware that you're selecting so you can just get on with playing and trying to do your best. Yeah, I noticed that at the uh, the trials at Tambourine, they just they they loom, but they're not obviously looming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, sitting next to you know Dave Stockham, he he's he's sitting there, but you know, and and there are those you know those faint applause when you know when someone does hit hit something well or or, do, or produces something a miraculous shot. But the other thing would be competing against your friends as well, like people that you've grown up playing with and, and that you have a really good relationship with, you know, could come down to you and your best friend that are going to be picked and one of you is going to miss out. How do you, how do you, I guess, overcome that? And, and your best friend is kind of your enemy for, for a few hours <laughs> of each day. Look, um, it happens all the time. Like the, um, I know personally from the girls that the 10 of us in the squad, we all get along amazingly. I mean, we've been to each other's weddings. We're being a part of each other's lives. We go on holidays as friends together. Um, and then as well, we play against each other in state level. So, um, but at the end of the day, we um, all are massive supporters of each other and we are all pushing each other to be better and better so and we've all been on the receiving end of making the team and not making the team so we know I guess what it feels like to be the person that misses out and also the elation of making the team so I think everyone's super respectful of each other um, and you want to see your friends do well but at the end of the day you're you're there to get yourself in the team. Um, and, yeah, what's great about the Jackaroos is that it's a very supportive environment. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we've all been on the receiving end of both, you know, highs and lows. So I think that helps to see how um, and to support each other. I think it really helps, um, you know, be there for each other when you miss out and also to be able to celebrate when things go right. And when the selection does come, now what's what's the next process for you? Like what do you – what do you do, Carla? How do you how do you get into the mindset for these types of events? Yeah, well, I think it's um, once you make the team, there's a humongous relief for starters. Um, and it's almost um, one of the hardest things is making the team. Once you make it, then you can finally start preparing for the actual event. So, um, and it's probably a, 
and I think Glass actually um, has mentioned it numerous times to me that you can finally sort of take a breath and just focus on everything you need to do to get yourself right for the actual um, games and you don't have to be worrying about now am I going to make it or not so um, yeah and a lot goes in once you're in the team there's so so much work that goes on after that as well so they're going to be busy these players once they get in. Just quickly I didn't actually throw to who we had on the show today we had we do have as you mentioned Steve Glassham he's he's going to join us on the show as is Commonwealth Games CEO uh, Craig Phillips so uh, yeah that's a bit of a belated introduction to them but they are going to join us Glass next (laughs) and then third up will be Craig so uh, how am I going Clive? No, you're going good, mate. That's all right. We'll forgive you this once. Don't do it again. Um, I, I think with any of these selections, and I, I, I'm keen to always dial this back to to Clubland, and you know, a lot of our mm-hmm. regular listeners will be will be people that strive to be the the highest in their club, and it, it's about recognising what your role is once the team's been selected. So the team gets selected, and you might be playing lead, or you might be playing second. Um, you in in a Jackaroos um, scenario, it might be different disciplines as well, singles or fours. And it might not necessarily be what you expected. So uh, you might be being asked to play a role. Now, it's about you figuring out what that role is, whether you're being asked to skipper, whether you're being asked to lead, and put yourself in a position where you can play your role to the very best of your ability to contribute to the team environment. So it's, it's very much about... Uh, not being worried about the selection once it's done. You know where you stand. Okay, that's the role I'm being asked to play. How can I do that uh, at 150% of my best? Yeah, and you know, one of the other things is a lot of the players that get picked for the Australian team might not necessarily be in a role that they generally play. For example, I've always um, led or played second for Australia, but uh, don't do that at all in my pennant team or for the state. Um, so like Clive said, it, once you made the team, it's a great chance to, okay, I'm going to reset. This is where I'm playing. Um, even trying, I'd often try and play in some extra events where I could lead up in the fours or a triple so that I was more familiar with it when we actually got to the Commonwealth Games. And speaking of the the players that that don't make it, Carla, the ones that miss out, are you quick to message them or do you wait a couple of days and just say, oh, look, I'll give them time, we'll let the coaches speak to them? How do you go about talking to them afterwards? Obviously, they'd be very happy for you, but they'd, they'd be feeling it as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Bowls Australia um, has a fantastic process. um, And we all know before the team gets announced when everyone's going to find out. There's a great process of then those who miss out um, a cooling off period, I guess, and um, that there's support for them um, outside of the coaches and selectors who will contact them and talk to them. Um, As players, we generally also will, I guess, use a cooling off period amongst ourselves, um, time for everyone to process whether it's good or bad news. Uh, before we get in contact with each other. But like I said, everyone's great friends and we're all humongous supporters of each other and we use each other to lean on when things don't go well as well as when they go well. So, yeah, everyone does get in contact, but most of the players sort of, it's nice to have that cooling off period, I guess, to process it before we all chat. Nah, fair enough. And and Clive, for you now, you've got a big event coming up this weekend with the Champion of Champions singles what are you doing? Now, don't give away too much because we don't want you to give away your tactics or anything like that. But what are you doing in particular to prepare your mindset and how are you thinking about the weekend? 
Yeah, I guess the the singles mindset's a little di- different to the team mindset. So um, you could probably be – it's making sure that you're comfortable in your own space in terms of this where my game's at and and uh, and preparation for singles play, which is just a different mindset, you know. Um, you're not responsible to anybody else. So in some ways, in a, in a singles environment, it's easier to control your emotions because – you're just responsible to yourself. So if you play a bad bowl, we'll get over it. I've played a bad bowl. I'll just get on with the next one. Whereas in a team environment, sometimes you think, oh, I'm letting the team down. I'm I'm not performing where I should be. You you you're only got yourself to report to in singles. It's uh, it is something I, I I like about it because you can uh, you can compartmentalise things pretty easily and put things to the side with uh, without any trouble. But uh, no, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really competitive event. There's, uh, it's a it's a very high standard field and um, looking forward to uh, having another crack at some singles. Haven't played singles for a little while, so so how many players are going to be in this event in particular? Is it round robin knockout or what? What's the actual format that you've got coming? Yeah, up? so the first first round is sectional play, so we'll do sections of three, and then winners will make it through into uh, the knockout rounds. I think there's a being champion of champions. Obviously, it's a it's a limited event because it can only be one one player from each of the each of the clubs. And I think we've got about sixty or seventy competitors in it. Wow. So uh, yeah, and um, and of course that's there's, there's the uh, the women's event as well that uh, will go on at the same time. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, great event. And um, I've been lucky enough to uh, to get a champion of champions three times, so I want to make I want to get another one. At number four, <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll yes. see, and then hopefully we'll see you at the nationals in uh, in October. Uh, hang on, no, it is October this year, October November. So looking for yeah. uh, September October, that's the one I'm looking for. September October. <laughs> Uh, starts uh, last day of September and then goes for two weeks. We've got a massive couple of weeks there. We're supposed to have it last year. COVID wreaked havoc on us again, and then uh, and we'll get it done this year. So looking forward to that. But uh, it's been great to get your insights, and we're going to get the insights of someone else up next because his name is the one, the only Steve Glass, and former national coach, and now he's working wonders with BCIB. So we're going to chat to him next, and uh, very much looking forward to that. Stick around on the right line. Bowls Australia's official e-store have a great range of products for every player. Visit shop.bowls.com.au to pick up some new kit and help you look and feel your best out on the green. You are listening to The Right Line. Val Febo, Carla Krasanik and Clive Adams joining you on Bowls Australia's official podcast. Still waiting for Lindsay Clark to, to get back to Australia and join us again. And she's toiling over there in the UK and doing a wonderful job at that with the right at home jackaroos. But speaking of toiling away ahead of a Commonwealth Games and being a coach, I can imagine it would be very stressful. So we brought in one of the heavyweight coaches in history because this man has been there and done that as a coach and as a player. Um, he's been out of BA for about a year and handed the reins to Gary Willis. His name is none other than Steve Glasson. Glass, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's a thrill to have you on finally. Um, how are you doing and uh, how's everything been going since you headed over to Bowls Australia's proud partner, BCIB? Yeah, thanks, Val. What a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much <laughs> and thanks for the opportunity to be on this podcast. Um, uh, fortunately, Carla Krasanik has just taught me what a podcast is, so I'm, I'm <laughs> Really savvy with it now, but uh, look, things are things are going great, guns. Thanks, uh, really enjoying it. Uh, yes, I mean our our fantastic representatives, both uh, players and, and support personnel, are over in the UK as we're well aware at the moment, tooling away on um, on season beginning greens. I guess you can call them, uh, particularly at, at Royal Leamington Spa, that we know so well. So it's uh, it's it's tough going, you know, um, and it'll be a wonderful experience for them, and I'm sure it will bode well for when they actually get that back back there for the main event. 
uh, come July. So, you know, yeah, tough times, but, um, you know, I guess everyone's under pressure, not just the staff to make the right choices and, and guide the players, but the players themselves. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. And, uh, and when you're that close to it, you know, your, your vision is hopefully to make the Commonwealth Games, which can be, in a lot of cases, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So, um, yeah, big, big stuff going on at the moment. Now, you'd be all too familiar with the coaching processes heading into a Commonwealth Games, having done two yourself. Um, and Gar- with Gary Willis doing his first, how stressful were those final few months leading into a Commonwealth Games? Yeah, for me, I, I never really liked the trials very much. Um, you know, it, it's certainly not all based on the trials. There's a lot that goes into the um, critiquing and, and performance and and culture of the, the team and the squad in the lead up to that as well. So it's not just the trials, but but knowing, I think, you know, I, I guess I'm a bit of a softie and, and knowing at the end of the day that you're going to have to deliver what is ultimately bad news to players. I mean, it's their career. And, and having been through that as a player, I, I know how... Um, disappointed you can get um, and all, all those things that go with it and, and it can knock you around so understanding that you know you're dealing with really good really good people really genuine people I mean the squad's a, a great crew and um, and knowing the effort that they put in you know behind the scenes putting their form up all the time uh, you, you know it's 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 kind of shattering to to know that you've got to deliver some bad news to great champions of this sport as well and wonderful ambassadors so it's a tough call what are the feelings for you, Glass, in terms of, you know, you've you've, you've been out of it for a, a year and you're, you're watching all this unfold and do you get a bit itchy coming up to a Commonwealth Games? You know, I mean, obviously you've been involved as a player and a coach, so, you know. Yeah, I've sort of, um, I've tried to distance, distance myself, a bit of a strategy really, even when I, I finished coaching, you know, um, build up some great friendships with people in the squad, but uh, strategically I thought I, I needed to step away a little bit and not, be in constant contact um, to, to give them the clear run and, and just to sort of, you know, step away. Um, so I, I've been reluctant to to maintain, you know, frequent contact just for that reason. And 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 probably now it's 12 months and beyond that that might ramp up a little bit now, you know, because, you know, that, that feeling from a player's point of view that he's hanging around or from the staff's point of view, I, I never wanted that. So um, I've probably lost track of your question there, Clive. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, Commonwealth Games, it's the ultimate. There's no doubt about that. And 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 I guess, you know, there's a couple of significant um, misses there in the fact that, you know, the squad is without Carla and Kelsey, all for excellent reasons. But but having been tried and tested and proven performers on the international scene, that, that's definitely a blow as well. Um, and, and Carla, I know you're on this podcast, but, you know, <laughs> I, I know everybody would respect your decisions and you've got a young family and, and totally get it. Um, and wish you well with all that, and, and hopefully you'll return for Australia uh, in the not too distant future. But you know that that poses another little X factor in the selection process. Glass, um, as a coach, you were wholeheartedly involved. Like you, um, from a player's perspective, you had your heart and soul um, in as a coach, and we respected that so much. How did you go? I guess mentally stepping away from that because. I mean, your life was all around looking after us and making sure we were taken care of and um, you lived and breathed that. So uh, as players, when we retire, um, there's often struggles dealing and coping with, you know, the change in your life. Have you found it hard since you stepped away as a coach or yeah, enjoying the freedom? Yeah, look, it's uh, it, I'm in a totally different role now and the environment's totally different. But 
Um, you know, there's still some aspects there that that relate back to being part of the Jackaroos family. And, and you know, I, I work in a business where we have team values and, and you have your responsibilities and it's your role to sort of um, take on those responsibilities as part of a, a broader scope of things, you know. So, so there's a lot of similarities there. But, um, yeah, there was certainly a transition. And, and I think that transition is still happening in the fact that, you know, COVID interrupted everything. I, I'm preaching to the converted here, but having not had an international series for so long, that, that I don't know whether that helped or hindered the transition because um, I, I am following the results to a certain extent in the UK. I, I know I, I sit there and I, and I think how I would feel. It's, you know, topical for, for the conversation we're having here if I was still there um, and, and what they're going through, players and coaches at the moment over there, and they've had speed bumps with no gear and all this sort of thing not arriving and all sorts of stuff going on. So, and, and different little speed bumps that you always get on a tour. Um, so the transition was there and it was, you know, I guess a little bit of loss of identity, I suppose, there for a little while, which is typical um, of what people go through when they step away from, say, an international sporting career. I, I guess the plus was that I'd, I'd witnessed it a lot through having been a player and a coach and, and, you know, I went through it as a player and then I'd seen people go through it. So I was kind of, not saying I know it all, I don't mean it that way, but I, but I kind of anticipated what to expect and and it didn't get away from me as such in that respect. So um, I, I think the hardest part was the the communication. You know, as you know, Carla, we had a lot of communication regularly, um, whether it was too much or not, I, I don't know. But it, was, it was certainly constant, uh, it was certainly constant. So, so that was the big sort of um, transition. In, and, and I'm talking night times, even just sitting there watching TV and, and coaching, the phone was forever going. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, so you just had to find some random people to yeah. ring up and talk to, was it, Glass? Were you just looking for well, some random people to, to ring, you know, just have well, a chat? Well, I, ha I haven't got the stalkers now, so, yeah. <laughs> not, not, yeah. And, and more to the point, more to the point, I'm probably not stalking people like I used to. So, yeah, mm. um, but th that was, you know, that was part of it. But I think I've acclimatised to that. I think come Commonwealth Games, it'll sting a little bit, you know, because there was nothing better than, than finalising the team. And as hard as that program is to come up with the final team, once you got with them, um, it was a really great experience to, to be there in that team where you haven't got the pressures of trials and you're simply gunning for gold. Um, it was a really, you know, great environment to be in. And it, it was challenging. There's no doubt about that. And we had our challenges. And, and you know, you're constantly trying to, to push buttons, I guess, to get the best out of everybody um sometimes they work sometimes they didn't or vice versa you know but um no day was the same and and you know things changed by the minute by the hour every day and it was exciting you know it was really good and the thrill and euphoria of coaching a successful commonwealth games team must be truly something glass and talk us through your experience in the gold coast especially after those almost moments in glasgow in 2014 yeah i think um we, we changed a fair bit about the way we went about things between Glasgow and Gold Coast, which is good. Obviously, you know, it, it's well documented that we, we do have a very solid home record. Um, I, I think the structure of the team was very good, albeit that there was some very, very close calls that, you know, we had players there that were, were really bashing the door down to get into Commonwealth Games as well. One of the highlights to me was the fact of the, the euphoria, as you call it, Val, around the actual venue and, and the crowds we had there and, and I think, you know, one of the big, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, but one of the great things was to see a, a vibrant 
uh, Australian team out there, and and if you know to use the girls' fours as a great example, you know there was four um, wonderful ambassadors for the sport, giving their all, looking like athletes, and I say that with the utmost respect, um, and really engaging the audience into that into what was a sporting event, and and I think. You know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me during the Commonwealth Games from the audience and, and non-bowls, oh, I'm, I'm going to start playing this game. This game is this game is awesome. That's all due to the to the the effort that the players put in on the green and and how they showcase the sport in the, in the heaviest moment. You know, in the most crucial of events. And and you know the the euphoria I think should go to all the players because they're just amazing. You know what I mean? They're just incredible and put on the the greatest show and were so wonderfully backed up by, you know, parochial bowls and non-bowls enthusiasts. So it was, it was the best time, you know, it was just wonderful. Steve, I want to delve into your experience as a player as well, because, I mean, you you had experience at in, in 1998 and 2002 Commonwealth Games. I think 2002 might have been some of the worst conditions uh, you'd play Commonwealth Games in from memory. But... Um, yep. The, the mindset of a player coming into, say, a 2018 Gold Coast Commonwealth Games where there's so much certainty around what you're doing and the preparation, what about the, the mindset of a player going into more uncertain conditions, more unpredictable conditions and something that some of the players haven't really faced before? Yeah, I think the the, the mindset's got to be positive. I think that's the, the critical thing. And, and I guess we're all guilty of it, and I was too in – in sometimes bringing up history, uh, particularly in the UK, and 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 sort of trying to turn the history into a positive, but um, I guess at times that also breeds pressure or, or perceived pressure, um, and and I think a lot of people a lot of the time thinking, you know, well this is this is our opportunity to change that, or or holy crap, you know, this is going to be tough, or or whatever the case. So you need really positive vibes in the team. To get out there and, and just deal with whatever's throwing at you, you know, and and we've seen it already this tour that they've had things thrown at them. Commonwealth Games, you know, in, in Gold Coast we had we had hurdles and speed bumps in the lead up to it. Just getting the dynamics of the team right, we had hurdles and speed bumps throughout. Um, you know, Karen Murphy's uh, mother was sort of diagnosed unwell at that stage, and and as we as history will suggest, you know, uh, nothing sinister came of that, which is great. But there's all these little things that that pop up. Um, uh, along the way that you've got to be able to sort of, um, I suppose, uh, put away and, and, and just get out there. Bowl, bowls is a great release to me. I think that's one of the biggest things that no matter what level you're playing, if there's issues in your life, um, you can get out there for a couple of hours and actually put them to the side, you know what I mean, and, and focus on something else. And, and I think, you know, the players just, no matter what was thrown at them uh, at Commonwealth Games in 2018, they were up for the challenge and, and they were just incredible. And, and, and I must say, too, so was the support staff. You know, we had, um, I think the head coach is lucky in the fact that you get the accolades when things go well and, and you, you cop the criticisms when they don't. And that's <laughs> half of the course. I guess it's like a skipper, you know. But um, the bottom line is you're just one one member of a, of a very big team and, and everyone's got their own, I guess, um, gifts to bring to that team. So it's important to identify them and, and make sure that they can shine in those moments. Can I, I'm going to jump in. Everyone at the moment is talking about the Combo Game selection because um, it's on 
the hot topic, I guess. Uh, so tell us, when you're actually selecting the team in the room with the selectors, how much debate is there? Do you get along or is there some fighting or what actually goes <laughs> on? If we were a fly on mm. the wall, what actually happens in that room? Well, I guess it's a good question, Oji. Um, I guess it depends on the personnel on the panel at that time too. So um, over 10 years, we, we sort of had, we didn't have massive changes, but we had subtle changes along the way. And and with each of those changes brought different dynamics to the meetings and things like that. So um, my mate Kelvin was probably one of the funniest ones because he would uh, day two of a six-day trial, he'd say, I've got my team, it's all sorted, I know what I'm doing, that's it, you know. And typically Kelvin fashion, you know. So, yeah, right, well, don't tell us, you know, don't tell us. Just, you know, keep watching and focusing and all this. Sort of. So day three, how are you going with your team today? No, no, I've changed it. No, I've, no, I've changed, you know. So you have these different personalities um, and it was all good for, you know, for giggles and that sort of thing. But uh, debate is good. You know, there's no doubt about that. I don't think we ever uh, – there was a couple of one or two probably heated debates uh, earlier on, um, particularly going back to Glasgow and that sort of thing. But but that was people's passion and feeling coming through. I mean, there were times that, um, from my perspective, I never actually got the team that, that I'd, I'd hoped for. Um, on occasion, that did happen, but that happened to everyone on the selection panel as well at different times, you know. So um, we always had a, a joint vision that no matter what the debate was, once we worked through it and came up with a final answer, it was a unanimous decision, and uh, and and that was the that was the way we went about it. So and and we supported whatever final decision was made wholeheartedly. I absolutely love that process, and it's kind of like everybody drops the egos, and if everybody else sees the the benefits of having some of these players in there that you might not necessarily like, if you know the majority sees the positives, then you go with it, and I absolutely love that glass. And speaking of Calvin Kirko, you and he will uh, will lock horns again in the uh, in the Bowls Premier League. Uh, Next week or in in a week and a half for the Sydney Lions and uh, and the Melbourne Extreme, Carla's franchise. Yeah. Um, you're, fre- extreme. you're fresh off another championship, Glass. Um, you're just yeah. on fire. Anything you touch seems to turn to gold. But how are you looking forward to getting back up to Club Pine Rivers? Well, there's the kiss of, kiss of death first up. Thanks, Val. So I'll see you about <laughs> next, next season. It's, uh, it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of talk about BPL when you leave BPL afterwards and with the Sydney Lions winning the last one, I'll just repeat that, Carl, the Sydney Lions <laughs> winning the last one. Um, uh, you know, people people want to chew the fat about it and understand and, and you get people saying, oh, how come Benny Twist skipped on this game and Disco and, and you sort of talk them through, you know, the rationale behind it and all that sort of thing. But looking forward to um, to certainly, well, locking horns with Kelvin, I don't know. I, I'm surprised he's still coaching Sunbury. I'm surprised they couldn't <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> That's very, very sporting of them indeed, very sporting of them. But look, it's a great event and it's an event that you go to that you you want to compete well in. Um, to me, if anyone has any real expectations to go there and win it, they're dreaming, um, you know, out and out because the format is so uh, chaotic, um, for want of better words, and, and the quality of play is so good that, you know, you can't go in there with with a, a favourites badge on you because it, it just doesn't happen that way. You really need the the bounce of the ball. And, and our success last time came down to, to one bowl here or one bowl there or one result or one just amazingly incredible bit of play or something, you know. So, and and, and that, that doesn't happen every event. So, you know, you've, you've got to take your wins with your losses. Enjoy 
when it does come off, but also understand that you've sort of had the bounce of the ball and and um, but enjoy the experience. And what a great showcase BPL is for the bowls mm. for the, you know a, a short version of the game as well. And that's it, it's getting traction, uh, which is great in clubs and 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 out there. And and I hope that continues. And that's the ultimate goal of it, isn't it? To to say to people, bowls is exciting. There's a short, sharp version available to you. And uh, and look at some of our the best players. Look how much fun they're having out there as well playing it. Yeah, you're right, and you saw Disco producing those bowls against uh, against the Brisbane Pirates as well in that in that second elimination final. That was unbelievable to watch, and the celebrations against Alex Marshall. Um, yeah, that, it was it was sensational, and hopefully we see more of the same from all the franchises at the BPL. But finally, just before we let you go, Glass, I've got to stitch you up one time. Which player? Okay. Which player as a coach do you miss the most? You, oh, it's got to be Carla. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. That was so good, no, so quick, perfect. I do, I do, I do honestly miss her. Don't get me wrong. There's no, there's no sledging there. I do miss her. She's a wonderful uh, person, Carla, and I think we got to know each other better and better over the years. And uh, and I'd like to think there's a wonderful friendship and mutual respect there for for not just being you know an elite player or anything like that, but just just personally, you know, I think very very highly of Carla as I do a lot of them, and there's one or two there we probably had slightly strained relationships with. We're just different different types of people, and that's fine too. That's healthy, you know what I mean? There's certainly no bad bad blood amongst anyone there. So, um, you know, I just wish the whole crew the very best going forward. There's some tough decisions coming. There's going to be probably a couple of tough months while people uh, that don't quite make the team on this occasion um, uh, get over that with the different emotions of disappointment and bitterness and anger and and all this sort of thing, which is typical of, of a non-selection. Um, but no matter what, you know, they've they've done sensationally well as well. So I, I give them full credit. And I hope the one and all are enjoying the experience of playing in the UK outdoor. Speaking of sensationally well, that is how you've conducted yourself throughout your whole career, Glass, and uh, everything that you've done for this Jackaroos culture. And it's been instilled by you and now carried on by uh, uh, Gary Willis and Karen Murphy. But um, everything you've done for the for the ride at home, Jackaroos, mate, we thank you. And uh, we hope to see you soon, and we will see you soon at, uh, at Club Pine Rivers, and we can't wait for it. But uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you very much for joining us on The Right Line. My pleasure. Thank you very much again, and all the best to you guys and your families. Thanks. Steve Glasson there joining us on the right line. It doesn't get much better than uh, than him, and he's one of the, the bigger name guests that we've had on the show, and we, uh, we're absolutely stoked to have been able to chat to him about all things bowls, and his philosophy on the sport is second to none. So Steve Glasson there joining us on the right line. We've got... Craig Phillips coming up next from Commonwealth Games Australia, the CEO. He's going to join us to chat about the upcoming games in Birmingham and also the Victorian 2026 announcement. Plenty more still to come. The Australian Jackaroos are preparing to embark on their hardest campaign to date, the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. Stay up to date and follow their progress as they prepare to tackle the Northern Hemisphere conditions at bowls.com.au. This is The Right Line, Val Febo, Carla Krasanik and Clive Adams on BA's official podcast. Big thank you to Steve Glasson for joining us in the last segment. And we have another big special guest on the show today. And that is none other than Commonwealth Games Australia CEO, Craig Phillips, who does join us now. Craig, how are you going? Good, thanks, Val. How are you going? How are the rest of the team? We're very well. Great. Yes. We certainly are now that you now that you've joined us, mate. It's uh, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule because there are seventy seven days to go. How are proceedings going at the moment, and uh, how's it all tracking ahead of Birmingham twenty twenty two? Thanks, Val. Yeah, look, 
a lot a lot of activity going on as you'd expect a lot of people doing lots of uh, important work for us to get the the team to the team to Birmingham we've uh uh, expecting a team size of around 430 athletes and then all the associated uh, support personnel, coaches and managers and medical staff. So uh, if we get to that, and it looks like we will, uh, that'll be the um, that'll be the largest Australian Commonwealth Games team to leave Australia. Uh, the Gold Coast team was bigger, but it'll be the last, largest offshore team for us, so pretty exciting. But uh, look, a lot going on with organising things like uniforms and uh, the accommodation, uh, accreditation, all of that, and of course, ever present for us right now in our planning is uh, COVID, uh, our COVID response. So that underlines virtually everything we're doing at the moment in terms of keeping the team members uh, safe and well while they while they're in Birmingham. Yeah, tell us about that, Craig, because obviously uh, flexibility is a word that springs to mind that uh, that must be uh, must be key on the on the preparation because I'm sure uh, people are coming and going a little bit and, and preparations have been so difficult for uh, for individuals. So that's one question. And a second one: How much have you watched things like preparations for the Olympics and things like that that have gone on in COVID times and really taken taken some leads in uh, from that experience? Yeah, it's a good question, Clive. Like, look, I think from our point of view, we're trying to put in place whether it's you know some hard and fast rules or guidelines, whatever it might be, to have people follow to keep them safe. I mean, some of the decisions we've already taken are not easy ones for us. For example, uh, is that you know, we took the decision that uh, all athletes would uh, need to leave within two days of, of their sport concluding. Uh, which is something we normally don't do. We normally let people stay for the duration of the games and enjoy the whole experience, but not doing that this time because it's those times when people aren't competing that obviously going out, letting their hair down a bit and letting the guard down as well. So, you know, it means that, you know, they, they potentially put at risk other athletes. So that, that was a difficult decision we took, but we did it for the, the well-being of the athletes who were still competing. Um, we've obviously brought in a mandatory uh, vaccination policy for the team. So anyone on the team has to be, be uh, up to date with their vaccination program. Um, and um, so that, that, that's been important. But in terms of learning from the Olympics, it's, it's a very good point. And, and certainly we spent a lot of time talking to the Australian Olympic Committee, the Paralympic uh, Paralympics Australia, uh, some of the, the key medical staff they've had around it. We've in fact recruited some people here to, in our COVID response that had experience in both those games as well. So uh, we're getting a lot of good advice from from those guys. But the, the thing for us though is that uh, Birmingham will be different again because you, know, you might recall that Tokyo essentially was a, a lockdown game. So athletes are in the bubble in the village and going out to competition venues no spectators, no mixing with the public. Um, our games are going to be a little bit different because there will be spectators in the stands. In fact, they're f expecting full stadia uh, over there. UK is pretty much opened up completely. So managing how we respond to COVID and keeping the team safe against the backdrop of an environment that's probably a little bit freer than, uh, than our colleagues experienced in Tokyo. Craig, it sounds like you've got a hell of a lot going on right now. <laughs> so when it gets to day one of the games, do you actually get to sit down and watch any of the sports or is it even more full on once we actually get competing? Look, I, I, I'm fortunate, I guess. I'm, I'm not living in the village, so I, at least there's one advantage of me not living in there is that I'm not uh, I'm not at risk to the team because I won't be mixing with the team that much. I'll be outside. So I'll certainly be going into some of the events and, and supporting our athletes. But yeah, we'll have some guests over there that we'll be looking after, the, you know, 
uh, some key people from um, you know within government. Obviously, once the federal election's out of the way, we'll confirm <laughs> to see whether we can get get the sports minister along, whoever that might be. Uh, and you know, members of our board, some of our sports are being well represented there. So, and of course, the fact that we're hosting in 2026 will also have a lot of representation from the Victorian government there uh, in an observer capacity, but also part of the handover ceremony at the end of the game. So, a lot of my time, because I'll be around the organisation of the games, uh, will be spent with 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 uh, our friends from the Victorian government as well. So, I'll have a pretty busy time, but a mixed time as well. So, look, looking forward to all that. Now, looking forward to heading up there as well myself, and uh, and we'll get back to the 2026 games in a second, but you mentioned the size of the Australian team with over 400 athletes going over to Birmingham. It is going to be an historic games with the largest women's program on record. How exciting is that prospect for the event? Oh, look, I think we're all really excited about that. Uh, in fact, you know, give a plug to Gold Coast. Gold Coast, in fact, uh, brought it in balance, whereby we had an equal number of men's and women's events. So Birmingham have gone, gone a little bit further than I think there's two two additional events for female athletes. It's really, really exciting when you think about it. It means that, you know, more more female athletes will walk away from the Games with um, with medals than males. So that's, that's pretty significant. There's still a way to go in terms of balancing up uh, participation across the games. So some teams can probably do a little bit better job in terms of sending more women along. There's probably a need to balance up some of the the categories in, in some of the say weight class sports like you know boxing and weightlifting etc. But it's heading the right way. It is an exciting milestone for the games. And you know the good thing about Commonwealth Games is we we often uh, are first to deliver some of these these milestones uh, when it comes to um, international sports. So it's another important one for, for the Commonwealth Games to have uh, more women's events in Birmingham. Another fantastic aspect is is the para component, Craig. And and I know from talking to the Jackaroos, and Carla can probably uh, attest to this from uh, from 2018, the inspiration that uh, that the para athletes provided to uh, to the Jackaroos' own performances and uh, and and as a as a whole um, blended team, it was uh, is fantastic. And uh, it's just another wonderful aspect to the event. Yeah, it certainly is, Clive. It's, you know, we we do very much cherish that uh, role that the Commonwealth Games has that, you know, we do have power athletes integrated into, into the competition, um, you know, and, and it, it full, as integrated as you can possibly be, I guess, in terms of they're competing alongside their, their able-bodied athletes, uh, able-bodied counterparts in their team, at, you know, whether it's in it's swimming competition or athletics or whatever it might be, that they're actually within the same session. So it's not a sep- segregated competition program, it's actually integrated competition program so um so we're pretty excited about that but yeah they're, they're great to have on the team and we know that for a lot of uh, para athletes they they often train in the same training environments as their able-bodied colleagues but they don't get to compete alongside them so so commonwealth games offers that opportunity whereby you know they're in the same team same uniforms living in the same part of the village you know if they participate in the ceremonies they'll march together and then they compete in the same uh, on the same field of play so it's a it's a fr- pretty special part of the games it is special and that's what we love about the commonwealth games the inclusivity of it and um it's going to be the most inclusive games yet in birmingham but uh, fast forward four years and victoria will host the 2026 games the regional victorian games i guess you must be ecstatic that australia will get another home games especially after the success of gold coast in 2018 
Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it, Val. You know, from our point of view, you know, one of our key strategic priorities is not only one, of course, is to make sure our teams are successful, but another one that's important to us is hosting great games. So we like to bring the games back to Australia on a regular basis. We probably didn't anticipate it was going to be as, as quite as soon as it is, but the, op- <laughs> the opportunity the opportunity was there, so we we, we took it. Um, but it's look, it's great, and it's, it's good for our athletes to compete at home, and you know all the things that come with that. We often get increased government support, federal government support around athlete preparation when we're when we're at home. So we're hopeful that will that will kick in. But what we're really excited about is what the Commonwealth Games can do for communities, and and one of the, the features of the regional games here in Victoria is that you know it's going to be used by the state government to accelerate the construction of affordable and social housing in some of these regional centres that are really lacking it right now. And, you know, and that will have, that will have major impact on economies because you suddenly get more people moving into regions, uh, being able to afford to live there, maybe starting out in careers, you know, whether it's in things like nursing or teaching or something like that, can find somewhere to live, start to build a, you know, build their life in those regional communities. And of course, then they contribute to those communities, both as, as workforce, but also in terms of spending in the local economy. So, so we see that, you know, that this is one of those great accelerated things that, um, that the Games does. And, uh, you know, there'll be other things like accelerating some of the infrastructure development, in some of some of these towns as well. And, and, uh, and the ability to engage the regional communities in the in the delivery of the games, um, you know, something often people in regional communities don't get to do when the, a big games a big event comes to comes to Australia. It often ends up in a city uh, somewhere, so people in the regional communities don't get to engage directly with it. So this is another another chance to do that too. And how did the bid originate with Victoria? Were they were they interested uh, very quickly, or how did that come about? Yeah, it, it sort of came at a bit of a rush at the end. We. we um, we really, since probably late 2018, early 2019, we're starting to look, because we knew there was an opportunity around 26. We started to look at trying to get uh, state governments excited, and uh, you know, it, for us in a, the Australian context, state governments become the key partner really in terms of the delivery of the game. So, so we we tried to do that, and we spoke to a number of state governments and talked about different models and all of that. But it was really only you know, in the last in the latter part of uh, last year in 2021, that that after having spoken to the Victorian government for you know probably six months, that suddenly things started to happen. And I think what happened was I think the government recognised that with the new roadmap that the CGF had, which allowed more flexibility of games delivery, um, that and with this notion of of how we could actually take it into regional locations rather than just in the city, that that I think it got got the right people excited in, within government. And, and as I mentioned earlier, they saw some of the benefits that could flow for, for regional communities. And 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 uh, the, to their credit, the Victorian government grabbed hold of it and uh, partnered with us and the CGF very quickly. And, you know, from sort of December last year through until April this year when the award was made, that it all happened. Um, so that's how quickly it happened. A lot of, lot of work going on right now. It's not a long time frame. Uh, but a lot of lot of solid work going on within, particularly within the government at the moment, around planning things like, you know, where will the villages be in those regional centres? You know, what what upgrades do we need to make to some of the, the sporting facilities and, and all of that? So, uh, they've hit the ground running. Uh, and uh, but you know, we're we're confident stage of great games. Carla, you got any suggestions there? It's uh, another <laughs> Commonwealth Games in uh, in your backyard. I'm secret. I was very excited when I obviously saw the announcement being a Victorian and the Bowls is heading to Bendigo, which is, um, yeah, just down the road for me. So thanks for that. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> 
Oh, well, I just uh, your your role at uh, Commonwealth Games Australia, uh, Craig. Uh, uh, how long have you been there? You must you must love it. Were you a, are you a sportsman yourself? And uh, is it is it uh, is it the dream job? <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's certainly certainly one of them. I think it. Um, yeah, no. I, look, I long time back in my past, uh, Clive. I, I was a a budding uh, modern pentathlete, but uh, ah. I, I soon discovered I was a much better uh, sports administrator than I was a pentathlete. So, <laughs> uh, so I sort of gave that away and uh, focused on multitasking. Like, though it's been an advantage. Mm. Of well, that. yeah, a jack, jack of I think I, was, I think people just call me a, a jack of all trades and uh, <laughs> none of them. So, um, yeah, but uh, no. So certainly, I've, I've always had a love of sport uh, myself, and I've uh, worked in sport pretty much all my life. So yeah, pretty excited to to be in this role. So I I took this role on in sort of mid 2015, just leading into Gold Coast. So I've yeah you know, had the opportunity of sort of, I guess being in the in the final lead up to hosting a games, putting our team together. Obviously, what we were doing in Birmingham, and then, and then yeah, a, a great opportunity which doesn't come along very often to be part of uh, bringing the games back to Australia again. And then, yeah, hopefully, uh, all going well. I'll still be around uh, for when we're hosting again in 2026. But no, look, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy what we do. I enjoy the opportunity we give give uh, athletes, particularly often it's athletes starting out in their careers uh, to go on to other things. Uh, so I enjoy that part of it. But as I said, with the the opportunity to host on a regular basis that gives us the, the chance as an organization to contribute to communities, which uh, that's, that's probably been the most rewarding uh, thing about the job since I took it on. Craig, the most important question, have you had a go at lawn bowls? I have, yes. I have Carla, I have. Um, yeah, if, as long as I get the bias on the right side, I don't know, okay. Yes, uh, let's start, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, sometimes made the blue, which uh, <laughs> often it, often it, barefoot bowls in a club somewhere and probably after a couple of too many beers. <laughs> but, uh, nah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Nah, don't worry. We've all done we've all done the wrong bias. Don't you worry about that, Craig. Uh, but have we? <laughs> well, I have, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a great sport. I love love watching it. I love the. I, you know, I, I, I think that sometimes it looks a, a bit like chess in terms of some of the the tactics and the strategy and all that stuff. So I, I actually do it. I do like watching it. Uh, and we can't wait to see it all at uh, Birmingham 2022. Craig, you've done a wonderful job coordinating everything for Commonwealth Games Australia. It's been uh, a very tumultuous four years, I guess, since Gold Coast with the with the ravaging pandemic around the world. But it's been amazing to watch you guys work and um, and the operations behind the games here in Australia have been have been nothing short of brilliant. So, Craig Phillips, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Good luck with the the final preparations. 77 days to go until Birmingham 2022. Look forward to seeing you there. Good on you. Thanks, guys. Craig Phillips there joining us on the right line, Commonwealth Games Australia CEO. Big thank you to him and what a magnificent job he has done in in helping CGA prepare for the Birmingham 2022 Games. And if you can get over to Birmingham, I would suggest doing it because uh, the Bowls is going to be great picturesque location at Leamington Spa and also a great location in Birmingham itself. And also the 2026 Games in Victoria in our backyard, Carla. Very excited for that and what that's going to look like. Bowls, of course, in Bendigo. But that's about all we've got time for this week. Big thank you to Steve Glasson, as I said before, and Craig Phillips as well. And a big thank you to you, Clive Adams. I'm looking forward to seeing you in another week and a half because uh, we're going to be back. Uh, Ringside's going to be back for, for the BPL and uh, Club Pine Rivers. Well, they, uh, they, they're they going to have to have the red carpet out for you, I think.
Oh, I missed out last time. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while for a BPL for me. So really can't wait. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it as well. And uh, we've got another show in between, so we will see each other virtually before then. But Carla Krasanik, thank you very much as well. It's been an absolute pleasure talking all things bowls with you today. Yeah, thanks, guys. What a great show. It was great talking to those two guests. We were um, very lucky to have royalty on our show. And, yeah, also looking forward to the BPL soon. Go the Melbourne Extreme. Uh, All three of us are going to have a a big week that week at Pine (laughs) Rivers, but we can't wait because the Bowls Premier League is so, so, so exciting. May 23 to 27, uh, it'll be streamed on Bowls Australia's Facebook page and also uh, Fox and KO and Sky Sports New Zealand coverage from uh, 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time until close of play so looking forward to that but remember you can subscribe to the right line on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever you get your podcasts from we are there and follow bowls australia and all of our social media platforms facebook instagram twitter uh, linkedin subscribe to our youtube channel everything that's going up there some great content produced by clive adams he's all over it he knows what he's doing but until next week when hopefully we get lindsey clark back this has been val febo carla krasanik and clive adams on the right line